when a Trekkie and a Hoovian get together with a mission to convert each other. Find out as Phoenix and Stu take it in turns to show off episodes of Star Trek and Doctor Who, all with the aim of getting each other to love their show. Experience the highs and lows of each series and come with us for the ride as we travel from Trek to Who. Hello and welcome to episode four of Trek to Who. This time it's Stu's turn in the hot seat again and this time he's showing me one of the lost stories of Doctor Who that was thankfully found and painstakingly cleaned and remastered and released for public viewing once again. So we're going to be watching Enemy of the World. Yeah, it's an interesting tale of how it's been lost and found and how it's gone up in a lot of fans estimation when it was first found a lot of fans didn't like it because well maybe they were little kids growing up in the 60s when this was first on and it's not like the other stories in the season in a season full of extraterrestrial monster encounters this one takes place in australia so <laughs> you're basically dealing with humans doing human things, not necessarily nice things to each other, but it's a very humanised story. Are you ready for this, Fee? Oh, I'm ready. I'm really looking forward to this, actually. So we're going to get cracking with watching Enemy of the World, and then we'll talk about it a little bit later on. It's going to be a bit different this episode, because usually we'll break for our supercut, and we'll come back afterwards and do our little wrap-up but this time because it's so long it's six episodes of classic doctor who what we're going to do is every couple of episodes or so we'll stop and have kind of a half-time report and we'll see if he wants to ask any questions or whether he's okay with it whether there's something that's on his mind whether the character motivations aren't clear stuff like that and i can clear him up i won't spoil anything for him I won't do that, okay? But I'll just kind of clear up what we've seen so far and if it's easy to follow or not. Stuff like that. And Fee is now getting his notebook out. He's going to jot down some things as it happens. Definitely, yeah. Need to have my notebook out and write my thoughts and feelings down so that I can articulate them later. Ooh, you've got the thesaurus out as well, have you? <laughs> you know me. I do very well. Okay, then, let's get it on. Let's watch The Enemy of the World. If you've got it on DVD, then that's fantastic. That's what we've got, the special edition DVD. So in 3, 2, 1, we're going to watch it, and we'll come back during our halftime report, maybe after episode 2, episode 3, and we'll see if there's anything that you want to bring up. How's that for a plan? Yep, sounds good to me. Let's see, then. All right, here we go. Two episodes down, what have we found out so far then? It's set in Australia, and the Doctor looks a lot like the shopkeeper of the world. Yeah, it's it's uncanny. I mean, it's great that he's able to play two characters so differently as well, because that's very difficult to do within the same 
episode to play two different characters. So I thought he handled that very well. I love the fact that it's in black and white, actually, because for me, that adds to the whole thing. I don't know why, but I love that. And I'm kind of in love with the stylization of the opening sequence. As basic as it is, I really like that. I don't know why I prefer it to some of the modern ones, but it's just... You know what it seemed like to me, this one, the Doctor Number 2's opening sequence? It seems like it's opening a pages of a book. Yeah. Yeah, it does a little bit. And I like that because it, it is the beginning of, of a story and it's quite a long one because, as we know, it's six episodes, so we're only a third of the way through. But already I'm loving it. I mean, I, I love how the portrayal of the Doctor is so jovial and so full of fun and not quite as serious as some of the other Doctors. I mean, running down to the beach and going for a dip in the sea. I mean, that's the kind of thing I'd do. So it's kind of a bit more relatable to me, that version of the Doctor. I've seen you do it. (laughs) Yeah, I know you have. (laughs) I just love being in water, can't help it. Are you a water sign? You're a Sag. I'm a Sagittarius, I'm a fire sign, which is really weird. (laughs) That is. You should be repelled by water. Yeah, you'd think, but uh, but no, I, I I don't know why I quite like it, but I do, and that that's why I liked that particular bit as well, because that's relatable to to me, and the fact that it's only humans in it at the moment, and the fact that there aren't any monsters or aliens or anything like that, it's all human beings, is kind of unusual for Doctor Who, but again, I, I think it's quite powerful in a way as well. Because it's showing that humans can be just as evil and nasty as any other creature that might be out there. Which, in a way, is kind of true, isn't it? I mean, just look at what's going on in the world right now. Yeah, less said about that, the better. That's why I left it there. But, but you know, it's just... It's incredible how something so simple can actually portray a point so much better than all the bells and whistles. And we've got all that just out of the first two episodes. We've still got four of them to go. And we're going to go in deep when we go into episode three and beyond. We're going to go into Salamander's inner sanctum and see what makes him tick and how his inner circle works together. Or maybe they don't work together. Maybe they're conspiring from the inside to get him out. We don't know yet. I know. I've seen it before. It's Phoenix's first time seeing it, so hopefully the enjoyment's going to keep on. What I was going to say, though, it's set in Australia. You've watched Prisoner Cell Block H. Have you seen any prisoner actors in this story so far? I have, yes, yes. Uh, Federin, uh, he was in Prisoner. He played the owner of a factory that um, he burnt down to claim on the insurance because he was doing dodgy dealings and needed money and so on. So he burnt down his own factory to claim on the insurance and was tied up in that storyline with the character Barbara Fields. Yeah, (laughs) the fact that you could just (laughs) rattle that off is insane. I'm a blocky. They're called blockies? Yeah, we're called blockies. Sound like you should be in Minecraft. Well, that fits too, I suppose. You play Minecraft? I do. (laughs) <laughs> you, you used to be obsessed by Lego. Yeah. And now you're obsessed by Prisoner Cell Block H. Yeah, it, it, it's just the whole block thing, I suppose. Maybe we should rename this podcast You Used to Give Me Roses. Oh, um, I, I think we'll, we'll stick to what it is at the moment, because it is 
Doctor Who and Star Trek. But if bits of Prisoner turn up in other things or other programmes turn up in other things due to actors we've seen, then, you know, little subtitles here and there. And we just happened to pause it at the credits for episode two. David Netheim is the actor you're thinking of. Yes, that's the one. I couldn't remember his name off the top of my head. You remember everything about his character that was in for like five episodes of Prisoners 690-odd? <laughs> well, only because um, I've only recently come to the end of those episodes because I'm now I'm now a few episodes uh, ahead of that. But it was still fairly fresh in my mind because I've not long watched that segment. I'm now sort of just after the 400s. Do you know just how frustrating it was watching him on the sofa, him going, I've seen this actor before. I've seen this actor. Why have I seen him before? I don't know. I'm not inside your head. <laughs> I get like that sometimes. I'll see someone I, I recognise and I think, I've seen him before somewhere. Where? And it bugs me until it clicks where I've seen him. Well, it wasn't clicking for you, so you went on Wikipedia or whatever you did on your phone. I did have to look up the actor, yes, to um, to find out who it was. But um, I knew I'd seen him from somewhere and, yeah, it turned out to be Prisoner. Of course it did. Episode three, then, we're going to go into Salamanders in a Circle. And then episode four, we're going to go even deeper. That's a clue. Uh, what do I mean, even deeper? Hmm. Find out. If you're watching along with us, here's episode three and four. End of episode four. What do you think so far, Fee? I'm loving it, actually. Uh, When you look past some of the padding, the filler that's in there, which kind of adds a bit of comic relief. Oh, we're sure I'd have stayed in (laughs) Wallamaloo. Exactly. I mean, he's funny. He really is funny. Um, The twists and the turns that are in it, the things you start to notice that make you think, oh, hang on a minute. You know, they're starting to come thick and fast now. Things are certainly moving on at quite a pace with only two episodes remaining uh, it'll be interesting to see the outcome uh, of the whole thing but I'm really enjoying it so far actually to be fair the, the quality of acting as well it's just it's brilliant yeah like 98% of the cast is putting their all into it it's just that random 2% that <laughs> are a bit flighty for my liking I'll I'll tell you more when we do a positivity sandwich at the end but there are a couple of cast members in there that every time I see this serial I think shut up uh, yeah yeah I, I um I, I know which one you're on about because I kind of think a bit mm, yeah to be fair I also thought that Victoria in the beginning was a little bit annoying as it's gone on she's grown on me I have to admit and I, I I really like Jamie. I think he's brilliant. He's hilarious. Uh, so the the whole thing, really, the whole cast is very well put together, from Patrick Troughton to the um, companions to the characters that are being played. Um, you know, the evil characters and the other support characters. It's all very well put together for the most part. And this is only the end of episode four. So we've gone down into an underground bunker, which is what we were comparing to the Ocampa in Caretaker in Star Trek Voyager. Do you think that comparison's valid? Uh, I think so, yes. Um, you know, they're down underground, told they can't go to the surface because they'll die, etc., etc., being provided for by Salamander, who is effectively the caretaker. He's providing their food and their shelter and telling them that they can't go up there, so on and so forth. Um, there are some obvious, obvious differences, but... Uh, 
for the most part it, it is a little bit of a parallel to that i have to admit all right then episode five episode six let's finish it off here we go then episode five episode six all done uh they were some of the most action-packed episodes of the entire serial or the entire story but what did you think of them fee absolutely brilliant as you said there was so much going on but it wasn't difficult to follow if you know what i mean and the amount of action was actually incredible to be honest with you i really enjoyed it yeah uh it's one of my absolute favorites of the entire run of doctor who not just of patrick Troughton's run. it is one of my absolute all-time favorites every time i watch it i pick up something new like in episode five there's a part where Giles Kent is in his office. He's talking to the Doctor and he's got Astrid there and everybody else. And uh, he's going on about how he wants to depose Salamander, basically. His plan's coming out a little bit. He's kind of unmasking himself without realising. And the Doctor's kind of interrogating him. And you see this look that Patrick Troughton gives Giles Kent. And it's just this, I know you're bad. Yeah, up until that point, you think Giles is the good guy. Light bulb moment, pretty much. Ah, there's a twist there, and yeah. So it's actually not quite what you think it is. Yeah, because up until that point, you think he's a goodie, and then when he starts going just a little bit off his rocker, and the Doctor's thinking, you don't just want to expose Salamander, you want to kill him, and that makes you bad. But I don't know why you're bad, so I'm still going to... You know, be on your side for now because I want to uncover this but there is as you say there is more to this that meets the eye yeah it's just that little moment where he just looks at him a bit too long and he furrows his brow a bit and you think oh you know something there it's his Jessica Fletcher moment you know murder she wrote oh yes absolutely um that's quite a good analogy to make actually I used to love murder she wrote we're going to end up going on to off topic again if we keep doing that. What would you prefer, Murder, She Wrote or Diagnosis Murder? Oh, now that's a tricky question, but I think Murder, She Wrote. Really? Just, yeah, it's 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 the whole Jessica Fletcher thing. You know, that, that character is just perfectly played every single episode without fail. Gotta love Angela Lansbury. May she rest in peace. But, oh God, she was a legend. She really was. Anyway, back to the story. Yes, back to this, yes. Um, we'll sort of do our little positivity sandwich that we, that we normally do Do you want to do a positivity well. sandwich? Um, we, can, we can do that and then we can wrap up afterwards. Um, what, or, what have you got written down? Oh, loads of loads. stuff written down. I mean, as I said before, I actually love the, the, whole, the fact that it's black and white because not only does it show the age of the episode, but it actually adds to the dramatic effect as well, in my opinion. And the stylization of the titles, absolutely brilliant. Um, Troughton is a fantastic Doctor, and I think he did incredibly well playing two different characters, two very different characters within the same storyline. That takes a lot of talent and a lot of concentration to do, especially when you're having to use a fake accent for one of them. What did you think of the accent? Quite convincing, actually, to be fair. Fair on man. It's just, yeah, I mean, he was brilliant because he really didn't sound like himself, did he? So that was pretty good. There was a couple of things that I weren't too keen on. Positivity sandwich fee. Um, so, yeah, the, the not so nice bits that I weren't 
overly impressed with. Here we go. Is how to me the story feels unfinished. Okay, in what way? They could have extended it by one more episode. We don't know whether everybody else in the underground bunker got out. We don't know what happened when Salamander fell out of the TARDIS at the end. You know, did he die or did he survive it? You know, what happened? Did he carry on where he left off if he survived? Or did he die and the world changed to a better place? What happened to Benick because he was arrested at the end, you know? And, and Bruce, did he rise up the ranks even more or, or whatever? There's so many things they could have carried on a little bit and given us a bit more of a, a a tie up at the end, if you know what I mean, to be able to finish it so that we could see what all of that effort was for. Because you see all the effort that they go through to get rid of Salamander, but you don't see the end result. It just sort of ends a bit suddenly with Salamander falling out of the TARDIS at the end after that scuffle and him starting the TARDIS. And then that's it. That's just the end. So for me, that was a bit anticlimactic, but still brilliant, just unfinished. Do you want to wrap it up with something good? Definitely. I mean, the acting all round for, as you said, 98% of the cast was absolutely fantastic. Astrid, played by Mary Peach, fantastic character. My favourite character out of all of them because she was just this gutsy, strong woman and, you know, didn't take any prisoners if you know what I mean she just she knew what she had to do and she did it to the best of her ability and that I think is incredibly powerful right my positivity sandwich then as I said I love the serial one of my all-time favorites now you might be wondering about that no 98% of the cast is good who are the two percent come on you gotta know you gotta Take me to the surface, Salamander. You gotta take me. You gotta. Why isn't he taking me? Why isn't he? Why? Why? Okay. Your cat just looked at me as if I'm mental. (laughs) He's like, what the hell is he doing? I'm trying to act like a 60s Doctor Who character, Samson the Cat. That's what I'm trying to do. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, he seems satisfied with that. He's going back yeah. to sleep. Yeah, and, he understands. And then you've got the dippy dippy do next to him. Oh. So you've got Colin, who just take me to the surface. Why, 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 Salamander? Why, why? Uh, like that every line. And then you got oh, Colin, oh, oh, and that's the characters. Yeah, they were somewhat annoying, in my opinion. They were overacting their particular characters. They are the only two that I felt that with, that they were overacting. Everybody else had impact with the story. They were helping it be told, helping you feel what they were saying and being immersed in it. You get to the scenes with Colin and Mary and you just want to switch off. Although Swan was good. Yeah, I liked Swan. I liked Swan. Uh, He was... Unfortunately, a short-lived character. You didn't see that much of him. But I feel if we'd have seen a little bit more of him, he would have had just as much impact on the story as everybody else. The little bit that he had was quite impactful because he was able to help expose Salamander and his lies to those downstairs because he was then obviously found by Astrid and she then found everybody down in the bunker and promised that she would get them and take them all to the surface 
And unfortunately, only the two annoying ones we know of actually got to the surface because, again, they left it unfinished and we don't know whether the others made it out or not. That's a good point. Although positivity sandwich for me, then finish on a positive. Donald Bruce, that is my ultimate positive. Your positive was Mary Peach. Mm. Uh, Astrid Ferrier, mine is Donald Bruce. The fact that when he first comes in, you think he's just a clod-hopping mercenary. You think he's a baddie. You think he's on the same kind of wavelength as Benick, for goodness sake. You think that Benick is the snivelling... I wouldn't say genius. I don't think he's got two light bulbs worth of ideas in his head, Benick. Uh, but he's more... If he's in an office, he's happy. If he can punish somebody by giving them a bulk ton of paperwork, then he's... He's a he's, number cruncher. He's a number cruncher. He's basically a bureaucrat upon all bureaucrats. He is number one pen pusher. Whereas you think Donald Bruce, when he first turns up, is the is the, the brawn, the muscle. He's the, all right, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rough you out, love. You know, and he's not like that. He wants the good. He only wants what's right he's one of the he's one of the twists and i think his character development is very very strong because as you say you start off thinking the worst of him and then he ends up at the end he's instrumental in helping them to get out with the explosion as well i don't know whether he necessarily sides with the doctor and jamie and victoria and astrid because i think he's doing his own thing I think that he he is. How can I explain it? Damn it! Uh, he, he's opportunistic. He he saw an opportunity to resolve a situation in the best way he could, so that evil didn't win. But at the same time, you do kind of feel like it was to feather his own nest as well, in 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 a very small way. Because, yeah. Because he knew that he would benefit from it as well. But he also knew that everybody else would benefit from it and it would ultimately lead to a better world for everybody else. But the thing is, now that Salamander's gone, if we take that, then all of the positions that Salamander filled are meaningless. They are, yes. But that would then start a whole new shift in hierarchy and I wouldn't be surprised if Donald Bruce was right near the top of that hierarchy. Yeah, he'll be like the chief of police easily. Yeah, he's the one that helped bring down Salamander for the greater good. Yeah, he was doing his own thing for the greater good. That's what I was trying to say. Yes, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. All right, then, time to rank it then. Last time we did Doctor Who, it was Delta and the Bannerman, and you ranked that as seven, I think? Something along those lines. Uh, This one. 9.5. 9.5. It lost 0.5 because of Colin and Mary characters being slightly annoying. And, and the ending? And the ending. that Those two things lost it at 0.5. But the rest of it, I absolutely loved it. That's definitely a solid 9.5. Okay, then. If you want to get in touch with us, email. Uh, what's our email fee? That is trek2who at gmail.com. That's T-R-E-K-T-O. W H O at gmail dot com, and we are also on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, I'm on Instagram as mundane insane, and your Twitter is it's dragons tooth eight nine, and your Insta is burning underscore phoenix phoenix spelt with a Y instead of an I. Because you're weird. Yep. Okay, then next time we do this podcast, 
we're going to Star Trek land, but we're not sure which one yet, because Fee is keeping his cards close to his chest. This time, he's not letting me know. It's going to be a surprise. And I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Oh, you're going to love it. It is somewhat controversial. We are heading back to Star Trek Voyager, though. I'll give you Yay! Okay, I know who Seven of Nine is, but the first couple of seasons, I was like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, the, the first two seasons, like in anything, are a bit slow to develop the characters. They focus more on explaining certain backstory bits. And then they start building on the character development. So by the time you get to, say, season three, things improve. The characters are more balanced. The storytelling is better. And you, you get a more well-rounded character and a more well-rounded cast. The same thing happened with next generation as well the first two series of that were a little bit below par still brilliant but a little bit below par and then from season three onwards it just took off oh have you seen encounter at far point <laughs> yeah let's not go there no 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 they took a little bit to get into their characters let's just say that all right then star trek land next time then uh, i've been Stu. i've been phoenix this has been trek to who thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time bye then bye for now